breathtaking to go and to study more, to learn more about you and to strengthen her relationship with you, bless her as she goes. Help us not to forget her as well, but to remember her with encouragement. Be with Lauren as she brings us what you have laid in his heart this morning, that we can be drawn closer to you and that um, our hearts can be strengthened towards you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mornings and greetings in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to have you all gather together with us here this morning. For a message today, I'm going to be looking at a passage of scripture that, thinking about Sarah Liz going to Bible school, is a passage that became very real to me um, just about 20 years ago when I went to Bible school. I read a book, and I think it was called In Search of the Mount of God, and it went into detail as a few men went in to in search of, it was called in the search of the mountain of God. They went looking for the mountain where this um, happened, where, where we're going to be reading about today. And, you know, it just was fascinating to me as I saw or read about these men that went to this place and saw the things that still remain to this day um, of what God did back in the lives of the children of Israel. Um, as you can tell from the title this morning, I'm going to be talking about the holiness of God. And as I think about this passage of scripture, there's, you know, definitely different emotions that um, are stirred up in my heart. You know, there's excitement on one hand, there's curiosity as we explore this aspect of God. And then there's also a little bit of maybe you could call it fear of this mighty holy God. And so this morning we will be turning to Exodus 19. Um, I'll be, we'll be reading Exodus 19, all the, the whole chapter of 19, and then chapter 20, verses 18 to 26. And in an effort to save my voice again this morning, I've asked Josh to read the passage. So Josh, could you come up at this time and, and read those scriptures for us? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 19, thinking a little bit about this chapter and what's taking place here. I don't know what for emotions Moses would have had as God was speaking him to him, and then he was the mediator to the children of Israel. So let's just, uh, I'll read this portion of scripture, and then we'll uh, go on with, uh, Lauren will go on with the message. Uh, Exodus chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. <clears throat> In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and, to the children, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the, unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. 
and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all the words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in, the thick, in a thick cloud, that the people may bear when I speak unto I'm sorry, that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not be hand, there shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come, come at your wives. And he, and he came, I'm sorry, and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loudly loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the nether part of the mount uh, and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. <clears throat> and the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also, which come near to the Lord, sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, the, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mount, and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto them, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou, and Aaron with thee. But let not the priests and the people break through, and come up unto the, come up unto the Lord lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. Okay, let's go to chapter 20, verse 18 through 26. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightning and the noise of the trumpet and the mountains, mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they moved and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, 
and that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall they make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen, and all places where I record thy name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it or of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by the steps of mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Thank you for reading that, Josh. So as we read through that passage and um, see what the children of Israel went through and think about the holiness of God, um, there's a lot for us to, to see there. And you know, as we think about the journey of the children of Israel, as they left the land of Egypt, there was numerous times when the people of Canaan or other people that they um, ran into, they recognized the superior nature of God. And they recognized how that he was far superior to the gods that they had created and made up for themselves. And one of the people that recognized the um, greatness of God was in the previous chapter, we have Moses and the Israelites. They came to Jethro, um, Moses' father-in-law there in the wilderness. And Jethro said in Exodus 18, um, in verse 11, he says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. So the other gods that were in the land of Canaan and the land of Egypt, they, in the things that they thought, they really were great and they had accomplished some great things. They realized that God was far superior to, to them than they were. And then Jethro, he made sacrifices to the Lord with Moses and the elders. Another person was Rahab. Rahab, the word she uh, spoke to the spies when they went to Jericho, she said, um, and she said unto them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all in the land, that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Because of what God had done for the children of Israel as they went on this journey, they were they feared, feared them. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God's power as well. Said, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servant. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be, in, be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubber rubble, for no other god can save in this way. So here Nebuchadnezzar, who shortly before that had been asking people to worship his statue, was acknowledging that there is no other god who can save that the way that the um, god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
So these were examples of some other people besides the children of Israel who had seen the holiness and greatness of God. And this power was displayed through the people of God. And so I think that's a good thing for us to remember that the life of God's people reflects on the reputation of God. The testimonies that these people shared that I just read from were because of God's people and how they were living. They saw God working in the lives of his people who had been following God. And we see this playing out in the lives in the nation of Israel numerous times. As the children of Israel were faithful to God and followed his instructions for them, as they prospered, the nations around them had to acknowledge the greatness and the power of God. As the Israelites surrendered themselves to the plans God set up for them, they were often victorious in battle. As, as people came up against them, I don't know of any story where the Israelites yielded to God's plan and that they were defeated. They were always victorious. But the opposite was also true. You know, as the children of Israel, as they gave in to idolatry and things like that, as they turned away from God, the name of God was disrespected then as well. So as God's children today, we, as we claim salvation, as we claim him as our God, we have a responsibility to re represent him to the unbelievers. We become ambassadors of, of his on earth. We are called to give the world a picture of God's kingdom and God's glory. You know, as a child reflects on the traits of his earthly family, so we reflect on our heavenly father. So looking at the account here in chapter 19 of Exodus, looking at the children of Israel, you know, the setting here was they had just left Egypt about three months prior to today's passage. And they had met up with Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, who was a priest in Midian. And as I mentioned earlier, Jethro was rejoicing in the work that the Lord had done for them. He rejoiced in the way that he had delivered them out of the land of Egypt. And he helped uh, Moses set up a system of, of governing the people. And so we see here in chapter 19, there was numerous times where Moses would go talk to God. There was a, I think it was like three or four t different times. He would go up to the mountain. He would come back again. And as he went up the first time, as God spoke with Moses for the first time, he reminds the Israelites <coughs> of the power that he had showed to them and the care he had given them. He had delivered them out of Egypt. He brought them through the water. And I think that's also an image of what God does for us today. As we think about the deliverance of, uh, from Egypt, our deliverance from, from our own bondage and sin. As we go through the water, we're baptized into God's kingdom. And I think it's good for us to, as, as the Israelites did here, to reflect on the character and goodness of God, what he has done for us, how he has guided and directed our lives. And then God presents them with the offer that he desired for them. He wanted to make them a special people. He said he wants to make them a peculiar treasure. And as we think about something peculiar, <clears throat> we think about something that's different, something that's unique, something special. As we, he wanted to make them a special treasure. This was the offering, offer that he gave to them. And he, sa he said to them that, you know, if you do these things that I will command you, then I will make you this special people. So I'd like you to think about a little bit, where do you hear that in the New Testament as well? 
Is there a spot that, he's, that God tells us the same thing? I don't know if you can think about a spot, but in 1 Peter 2, 9, and 10, I'm just going to read that for you quick. <clears throat> 1 Peter 2, 9, and 10 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which, hath no, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So God has the same promise for us today, and I'd like you to notice there, when he talks to the children of Israel, he says, if you do this. Here in Peter, he says, but ye are. He's talking to people who are saved, his children. So you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You who have committed your life to God are now God's chosen nation. You are his peculiar treasure. If we, as we yield our lives to God, we become that, that treasure that God has in mind. <clears throat> and so I think that we can, you know, as we come looking at this passage today, we can relate to where the children of Israel were that day. You know, God has chosen each one of us as well. <coughs> Excuse me. He wants us to be his chosen people, too. He desires that all would come to him. So that was the first time that um, Moses went to talk to, to God, was God gave them this proposal that he wanted them to be his peculiar people, his treasure, above all else. And I think that shows us something about the heart of God. As we think about the vastness of the creation that God has made, that his peculiar treasure is you and I. It's all the people in the earth. Those, that's what he truly cares about is the relationship with each one of us. <clears throat> and I think it should affect the way that we relate to each other on this, this earth too, to realize that other people are God's <coughs> treasure. Excuse me. So then Moses goes up a second time, and this time God... Um, he asked them to wash their clothes. You see a progression here. It seems God is revealing himself a little bit mo more at a time. He asked them to, to wash their clothes, that they wouldn't even come to the base of the mountain to even touch it. A barrier needed to be placed around the base of the mountain. And any animal or person who touched the mountain would die. <coughs> you know, as I prepared for this, I kept thinking about what that would have been like that day. You know, we probably don't have any mountains as big as the mountain they were at that day. But as we think about gathering around the base of a mountain with maybe a million or more people and this lightning and thunder and smoke, <coughs> as it was, you know, the trumpets were blowing louder and louder, what that would have been like. And in the, in the book I referred to earlier, they discovered a mountain that still has big rocks laid out around the base of this mountain. And there's still the the mountain top that looks charred and black. And so those signs of this event are still there today. So as we think about that, you know, not God didn't want them to get close to the base of the mountain. He's so perfect and righteous, <coughs> excuse me, you know, that we sinful human, humans can't come near him. You know, God wanted the people to understand the importance of not getting too close to the mountain. And he sent Moses down 
to the base of the mountain to warn the people again to not come close to the, the mountain. <coughs> Excuse me. So then Ma Moses goes up to the mountain again a third time, and then this is when Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God. The portion of scripture that we didn't read was when God gave those commandments to Moses. And then, <coughs> excuse me, he comes down, and this time the people had a different response. When Moses came back that time, their response was different than when God came to them the first time. The first time, we noticed that they seemed eager. They said, yes, we will do this. We're, we're happy to follow God. But now as God is revealing how holy and majestic he really is, they start to fear in verse 19, and it said, And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. So they were starting to get a grasp of God's holiness. They were starting to realize what a great and majestic God that and they were really dealing with here. So they started, they started fearing, and they shrank back, and they, they were scared of God. They said, Moses, you talk with God. We don't want to. We're too scared of God we, that we, <clears throat> we're afraid we're going to die Moses tried to assure them that God wasn't didn't want to do that he was just showing him revealing himself to to them and but they they chose to get Moses to talk to God instead <clears throat> and then after that Moses went back up again on the mountain the fourth time and then God revealed <coughs> more details about his plan for the children of Israel. And that's, there's quite a few chapters that God goes into to quite a bit of detail about that. And so as we think about that, as we think about the greatness of God, as we get a glimpse of God's holiness in this chapter, I would like to think a little bit about what does that mean for us now? Does God reveal himself to us? What does God expect from us as far as holiness? You know, as he laid out his plan for the uh, Israelites, um, does that just for them, like, how do we, how do we look at that? And the verse of Malachi 3, 6 says, um, he tells the children of Israel through the prophet Malachi that he doesn't change. So we know that the God who appeared to the Israelites on the mountain that day, he's still the same God today. He hasn't changed. He's, still, he's still just as magnificent. He's still just as glorious, and he's still just as holy today as the day he appeared to the children of Israel. So I want to look at a few, first a few um, Old Testament scriptures, um, what God says about holiness and how that um, should affect our lives. I'll just read for you. Leviticus 11.44 says, for I am the Lord your God, you shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. <coughs> Here he was speaking to the children of Israel. He was asking them to be holy as he was holy. Leviticus 19.22 God, again, speaking to the children of Israel, <clears throat> speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
So we see in the Old Testament the Lord God revealing his character and showing that he is holy, and so he also calls his people to holiness. He tells the nation of Israel that, you know, I am your God, and this is who I am, so as my people, I am asking you to be holy as, as well. And as we think about that um, idea, if you meet someone who is a fan of some of <coughs> of a, another person, they have a hero in their life, most times you're going to know that. They will most likely talk about them. Maybe they'll wear something that shows that they're a fan of something. Maybe they'll wear a hat. You can usually tell. And so God um, will shine through us as we um, commune with him. His holiness will shine through us. In the New Testament, I want to look at a few verses to see what God has for us today. <coughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2, one, some of my favorite verses, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, <coughs> holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, he shall, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. <coughs> As I read those verses, that really blessed me. It amazes me that the God who appeared at the mountain before the eyes of the children of Israel, who was so awe-inspiring that they shrank back in fear, has made a way for you and I part to be his temple today. You know, what an amazing opportunity we have today to have the, that same God dwelling within us. He uses our heart as a temple. How is it possible, you know, that the God, who told Moses to go down the mountain quickly to warn the people to not get too close or that he would consume him, now dwells within us today. <coughs> Excuse me. First Peter 1 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be ye sober, and hope to the end of grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And Hebrews twelve fourteen, follow peace with all men and holiness, which no man shall see the Lord. So we see God calling us to holiness today. Just as he called the children of Israel to holiness <clears throat> in the Old Testament, he also wants us to display holiness in our life. And here in Hebrews, we see that holiness is a prerequisite for us to see God. Unholiness brings blindness to us as we live our life here, and it will also separate us from God in eternity. So as we think about the call to live in holiness, I don't, I don't know what that brings to your mind. Maybe that feels overwhelming. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's exciting. Um, but as, as we think about holy living, and maybe too often we let it overwhelm us. Maybe we don't... Um, don't really get excited about living in holiness, but I want to share with you um, a scripture from John 1, 6 through 14. Let's read a few verses in, first, in, in John 1. 
John chapter 1, 6 through 14. <coughs> there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And as we look at this scripture, I really want to focus on verse 12. You know, as we think about living <clears throat> in holiness, in verse 12 we see where the power to live in holiness comes from. The power to live in holiness does not come from within our own hearts and minds, but it is as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive his lordship in our life that we can live in holiness. As we surrender our hearts to him, he gives us that power. He gives us the power to be called the child of God. And verse 13 confirms that. You know, it's not the power, <clears throat> a power that is available to us that is not born of blood. It's not through our lineage. It's not who we, whose family we were born to or not born into. It's not about our social status or wealth or any other physical or earthly factor that gives us the power to do this. Nor is it through the, the will of man. It's not through the will of other people. Other people can't give us this power. Your parents, your grandparents, your pastors, or peers, they can't give you the power to live as, as a child of God. Yes, they can give you direction, they can give you guidance, but they cannot give you the power to live in a holiness. It's only by the will of God that we can become his children and live in holiness. And God's will is that none of us would perish. He wants each one of us to be a part of his family. You know, as, as we make the choice to receive Christ, to allow his power, power to flow in our lives, then the power of God's spirit can flow through us and we can live in holiness and victory over power of sin and death. You know, unfortunately, there was many people in that day who lived under the sound of Jesus' teaching. They witnessed his example with their own eyes, but they did not experience that deliverance because they were unwilling to believe. They did not accept him as the Messiah who sent to them, who was to set them free. And as th I think about the people who lived in the day of Jesus, the people who lived um, that day in, in, at Mount Sinai, there's days where we wish God would just tell us, you know, do this or do that. We wish he would speak to us in an audible voice. But I think here we have a couple examples of where we see that even that doesn't work. We need to have the power of God's grace flowing through us. We need to accept the power of Jesus' blood in our lives. Then we can experience that holiness. It's not by the physical things that we see. It's when we experience it in our hearts and lives. 
So just a few thoughts in closing. You know, as I think about this this morning, as we get a glimpse of God's holiness in Scripture, and as we realize that what we see written in Scripture, you know, as men writ this, wrote this, you know, that's only a tiny fraction of God's magnificence and, magnificence and holiness. You know, as we see God's call for us to live in holiness, and, you know, we look at ourselves and realize our own inadequacies, it blesses my heart that God's desire is still to have a relationship with us in spite of our weakness, in spite of our brokenness, in spite of, of the failures that we have in our lives. And it's really incredible that such a holy God not only desires a relationship with us, but he has made a way. You know, God is so holy that he cannot, he can't tolerate sin in his presence. And yet he has found a way to, to make sinful humans his precious treasure. And that just really blesses my heart this morning. And that's one of the miracles of salvation, that such a holy God was able to reconcile us as sinful people to himself. And I'm grateful that he doesn't just call us to holiness and then just let us figure it out on our own, but he, but he gives us the tools to live in communion with him. <coughs> you know, and to live in holiness in Christ is what's truly best for us. You know, sometimes as we live in this world, we can feel like it's burdensome and it's not what our flesh wants to do. But ultimately, God has our best interest in mind. You know, as we become aware the Spirit of the Lord is not only, you know, it's not only profitable for our, you know, physical life, our spiritual life, sorry, but it's also profitable for our earthly life. So as we continue in the journey of life that God has called us to, and let's receive the power of God in our hearts and let it transform us into his dear holy children. Let's bow our heads, heads for a word of prayer. <coughs> Dear gracious, holy Father in heaven, we bow before you again this Lord's Day. We thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your greatness. We also thank you for your grace and that you were willing to give your only beloved son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to save us, sinful, broken humanity and lord just give us the power of your spirit to live within us that we might live lives that would show your glory to the world that we live in we just pray this all in the name of jesus amen <coughs>